0: Hello, it's Thomas. Uh, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping before this podcast starts. My audio was a little weird at the beginning. I did get it fixed, but it was pretty echoey. Um, fortunately, I hope you can make other questions, but fortunately, fortunately, uh, Owen's was not, and um, which is good. That's like probably, you know, you, you would have just seen Owen O'Callahan. you would have clicked on this, right? And uh, yeah, no, nothing to do with me, but it's... Um, it's good that his audio was fine because that is obviously um, the main event. Huge thank you to Owen. He's an awesome guy. And, um, yeah, and I uh, hope, hope, hopefully we can get him back on at some time. But, you know, he's a busy guy. Um, there will be York United coverage this offseason. Uh, Dom Zator announced today, the captain, that he is going to be, that he is a finalist for the inaugural defender of the year award in the CPL, which is very exciting. So we have two award finalists and uh, yeah, we'll definitely be covering that. And it seems like his own set and you'll to listen to it, but that everyone's going to be coming back. So uh, please sit back, relax and enjoy half an hour of a, um, one of the best minds in the game uh, of football. Someone who's really done a lot of great things in the journalism world and Thomas you know, Yeah, please enjoy. My guest today is Ono oh Callahan, a soccer slash football journalist who currently works as the Vice President of Content and Communication Strategy for York United FC. He calls the matches on Saga 960 AM and during the season he has a radio show for the Nine Stripes, Wednesdays at 7, also on Saga. In the past he has scored the Olympics, World Cup and Champions League finals for Fox Soccer and other publications such as The Guardian and The Independent. He created the amazing movie, Celtic Soul, with J.P. Barishal and has a book out about Roy Keane titled Keane Origins. Welcome, Owen. How are you doing?
1: I'm very impressed with that introduction. It makes me sound a lot more important than I really am.
0: Uh, Should we start start on 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 what?
1: what? Let's do it. Whatever questions you have, but please keep them clean.
0: I will, yeah. Yeah, No questions questions from from the supporters today.
1: No. The supporters are, are they they give me a lot of bother. At those very tricky questions that they submit sometimes they try to catch you off guard all the time.
0: Yeah, catch you off of pies one sec- Catch you off guard one yeah. second about the meat uh, pies. The next six second, pies, second about Giovinco.
1: Hey, they keep you on your toes, which is the very essence of fans, I guess. Um, pretty
0: simple, um, pretty simple right, right, right off the bat. What was one a one moment or two, two that stood that out today today to you from this season?
1: Oh, okay. Um, that's a tough one to start there was a couple i think that for for different reasons i would choose maybe seba's goal at home to forge early on in the campaign we won that game one 0 and that was the the game winner but it was a, a tight derby and there wasn't much between the teams and You know, having been at the club for a little while, it was a game that York would always maybe find a way to draw or maybe lose. You know, it it was never really the type of game that you could kind of push through and find a winner. And that was one of those moments when we did. And it was a moment of individual magic and made Tristan Henry look a little bit silly and some South American flair and kind of provided exactly what we've always wanted. Uh, Seba to to provide ever since he came to the club and it was a really lovely moment the crowd were superb that night you know he kind of dived into the support with his shirt off and the support the supporters obviously were were joyous and jubilant but then in the locker room afterwards you know the scene was pretty much the exact same with the players you know I think that they they felt that it was a big performance to to follow up the victory over Cavalry um, at the same stadium shortly before that, it kind of showed that that they could get some momentum behind them. And I think that there was that sort of galvanizing team spirit that, that they could really kind of do something special. And obviously, as, as the season went on, that became more difficult. But That's definitely one that stands out. And then I think I'd have to choose the Jordan Wilson goal at home to Edmonton. Which might seem like a bit of an unusual choice, but I felt that that Edmonton game was a difficult one. Was
0: they that, just,
1: 3-2? that was a 3 2 game, but they just wouldn't go away. And obviously, Edmonton battled so gamely for so much of the campaign because they've, they've had their own issues. And they were in front 2 1. Somehow we found ourselves behind in that second half. It was at home, it was a game we needed to win. And Mo Babouli obviously had just been signed earlier that week. He was on the bench and he gets the call from Martin to come on. And Lissandro managed to get his his first goal of the season to make it 2-2. And then there was this real feeling of momentum inside the stadium. And it was building and building. And it was all about whether or not we could get a winner late on. And Jordan, I think, just had an immense season. You know, he became a dad for the first time and played so many minutes and probably would have had a lot more if he didn't get sent off against Cavalry away from home in that one nil win. A real warrior, a great leader, such a, a terrific presence in the dressing room for the guys and an older, more experienced player, obviously. So I think it was great to see him get that winning goal. And it was a special one. I think that that kick-started us on a little bit of a run. Um, and it, it allowed us to flex the muscles. But again, it I think it was that performance and that result and that um, sort of situation that that made us believe that we could do something. And I think that that sort of belief carried us all the way through to the end of the season.
0: Yeah, Jordan, an awesome, really amazing season for him personally and on the field as well. He scored also against uh, Halifax um, and Ottawa in the last game of the year. Um, I just want to touch on Mo real quick. What is... Would you describe him as a bit of a polarizing figure coming in as one of the more successful guys in the CPL? And At one point, John called him the best player in the CPL.
1: Um, By polarizing, what do you mean? Polarizing to who?
0: Just to the team coming in as someone who has this acumen in the league as being one of the top guys in a team with a lot of very young players.
1: Okay, yeah, so in, in terms of the experience and the caliber that he kind of possessed, bring, bringing that into our locker room. Um, yeah, I think, <laughs> I was talking to Jordan, uh, probably about a week before Mo signed. And he said, you know, you know, what we need more than anything else. He said, we need killers. And that's the term he used, killers. And he said, not killers, killers. And obviously Jordan's from a uh, Jamaican stock and background. And he said, you know, we need guys that are just ruthless. And just on instinct, they'll just destroy you. And I think he was just alluding to the fact that we we, we just had, had such a turnover of playing staff through the season and that we couldn't really get too much momentum in, in a core group of guys and that that was missing. So, for instance, you know, Austin Ricci, he would describe as a killer, right? A, a real kind of terrier dogged determined and ruthless i mean he will do anything it takes in a game to get the better of you and that's why players really don't like coming up against him and that's why it was such a blow to to lose him early on in the campaign but then mo arrived and jordan and and mo go back a long way and they know each other a long time and jordan was right you know what the group needed was having that type of personality that they could count on to be a killer, right? That you give him the ball and he will destroy an opponent. And you don't necessarily have to destroy an opponent in the penalty area and score goals and create goals, but you can provide moments. And I think what Mo did as soon as he arrived at our club was give us moments. Even that debut against Edmonton, he hadn't played... He hadn't really kicked the ball since May. So his match fitness was <laughs> so lacking. And still, he came on that afternoon and he touched the ball. It just looked different. He he just looked like he had the ability to unlock a defense from 35 yards. And the other huge thing that became apparent in the game against Edmonton was the way he attracted defenders. So you watch every game he plays. He's followed not just by one guy, it's usually two or three. And what that does naturally is it opens up space for other players. And it was no coincidence that that when he did come in to games, suddenly other players were unlocked because he was clever enough to not just understand the concept of space, but he also had the ability and the skill set to still make the passes to those players in those key areas of the field. And I guess the mind instantly goes to Chris Snow's goal at Tim Hortons Field against Forge, where I think the crossfield pass that Mo hits for Ronan actually takes Ronan by surprise. Ronan's just not expecting it at all. And he has to work so hard to try and keep the ball in play. It's not as if he makes the run and Mo finds him. It's that Mo wants him to make the run. I don't think Ronan actually believes that anyone has the ability to pick that pass out and find him, but Mo proves him wrong. So I think that's a perfect example of, of, of what Mo did to the locker room, right? You have a guy suddenly that comes in who just with his presence unsettles opponents and you know, as much as he has got a skill set and he's able to finish chances, create chances and all the rest. He's a leader, obviously, older guy. I just think that he was like a missing jigsaw piece. And the CPL is a young league, but it's a very specific type of league. And you need guys that know how to play in it. And I think that Mo coming in with that experience, knowing defenders inside and out and leaning into that almost, knowing what to do, what not to do. That big game experience, um, it's just, he's been so good. And, you know, I I remember that first training session that he came to at uh, Ontario Soccer Centre. He just arrived, showed up with his kit. And I think every single one of our players, not that they were looking at him and felt intimidated, it, it almost felt like he was going to make things better. There's kind of an understanding that things were going to get better from here on. And that's just a great feeling for for players to have, that there's a reliability factor and a consistency to it. Um, players, by their very nature, they, uh, they respond to patterns and consistency and clarity. And I think Mo possesses all of that. And so I think for, for a group of guys to know that they can count on you week in, week out, it's lucrative.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. they had to ask in the glory of the mobile bully man bun. And one player they did really have was Asaze de who is now up for Canadian Under-21 Player of the Year in the CPL, second in the Golden Boot race, really came down to the final match. What do you think of his growth as a player in person this year?
1: I think he's been outstanding I think you know you were at the fan event last Thursday night when Martin Nash revealed you know what the feeling was about us in pre-season when he kind of found his way into the group and things obviously ended for him very very quickly in in Ukraine for obvious reasons and and he came back to Canada um, because of the, the outbreak of war and he found himself training with us and we had a, a couple of, of issues in preseason with uh, relating to fitness and injuries of, of, of guys. And there was a couple of contracts up for grabs, really. And Osaze's performances were impressive enough that that Martin, you know, was taking a proper look at him, but he, he just wasn't scoring goals. And martin needed to count on guys to score goals because i think we all knew that there was a a likelihood that lowell could go with the canada u20s and we knew that it wasn't just going to be to the tournament but that there would be a camp as well so that we would lose lowell for two different spells um a little bit presumptive but we you kind of have to work on on the chance that that might happen and you're going to lose that uh, striker Martin Graiziar already had a concussion at that point and he wasn't fit. I think Mikey um, had picked up COVID on the West Coast and, and it was pretty bad, so we were missing him. So there's a couple of things. And, and so obviously Martin um, had a chat with Osaze and Osaze just said in the way that he always does, you sit down in his company, he's just so motivated. He just said, coach, i score goals. Don't need to worry i'll score you goals and i think that's impressed me most about him is the variety of goals as the season developed because you know i think for the first little bit it was every time he was on the 18 yard line go for the net was bulging and yeah and as a striker you you need to learn the art of scoring goals there's an art to it i mean if if you go back you know the greatest strikers. You take Premier League. You know you you just have to hunt for scraps sometimes, and sometimes your goals are ugly and horrible, and nobody will ever remember them. But they're important, and you have to you have to you have to learn how to how to how to score those types of goals. It's all very well to 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 send one to the top corner from eighteen yards. It's not going to work every time. So to see him score the goal in Calgary. To witness the game against the Cavs yeah. at the near post. Just a little glance at the outside of his right boot. Great poachers finish. Great poachers finish at Tim Hortonsfield to open the scoring against Forge. Paris sending in a great cross and just really getting his studs on that cross. Making Henry work and didn't have really a great moment for a goalkeeper. Ball ends up at the bottom corner. It doesn't matter. It's still his goal. And, you know, even a couple of finishes in Halifax were great. Just sniffing around a six-yard box, picking up a scrap, maybe... Uh, Cedric, I think, teeing him up for the second one, just driving it into the net. And, you know, we chatted a couple of times through the season about instinct, strikers working on instinct. Uh, ball drops and you hit it and that's it. You don't even look at the goal. You just know immediately where, where you're going to send it. And so that's the there's the sort of maturity as a striker. I mean, you look at who he's competing against in the goal and boot race. I mean, Diaz is a very seasoned campaigner in comparison to Osase. Um, he left so for him, midway through the season as well, I, which, is which is incredible. And also, Osaze had had one goal from the penalty spot. You know, um, really should have had two. He missed one in in Valor, which came back to to bite him in the behind a little bit. Um, but you know, also, you know, I think he should have had two in Ottawa. So oh, yeah. so really, I think Osaze probably should be the Golden Boot winner. Um, but. You know what, I I don't think he's also a guy to lose himself in the individual accolades of it either. Um, you know, I think it would be lovely if he walked away with the Q twenty one award at the end of the season. I think he should. I'm a little bit biased, but I think he should. Um, but I think, you know, even speaking to him at the end of the season, he can't wait to get going again for next year because he gets an entire season with Mo. And, you know, you mentioned it at, at in the question about what Mo brought. You mean you were at a lot of our games. So you will know that Osaze quite a few occasions was playing in wide positions because we had such a lack of options up front. So it wasn't as if that Osaze every game got to be a center forward. He had to sacrifice that element of his game for a greater good when we were in the midst of of such a bad injury run, Um, had never played wide. I don't think at any time in his career. So it was very, very unnatural for him. Um, So again, that maturity in his skill set, developing that and honing that and being unselfish. Um, Going through the injury, going through the season injury free was huge. Um, So again, you know, that might be unlikely to happen again. Maybe next season it'll be maybe one or two niggles and you might miss a couple of games here or there. Um, But he's already a history maker for the club in his first season, which is astonishing. So I think if you add a couple of more dirty finishes, a couple of more scuffed shots that take deflections on their way and roll over the line, I think there is no reason why he can't reach 20 goals next season.
0: Yeah, and the CPL record is 14. Record is 14. That's definitely within reach. When you can he'll be playing a full year as a striker with Mo uh, coming off some huge, huge momentum. But you mentioned Lowell, who mentioned Lowell. went to Vancouver Whitecaps also, as in addition to the Canadian U20 camp. That's one of two big transfers this year for United, also sending club legend Diadine Havzi to the second tier in France. What effect did those transfers have on the team?
1: I think the biggest effect was timing, to be honest, because I think that you can, you know, you always want players to to move on right? That's, that, that's de facto what you want. I mean, we we wanted Absey to go. Um, we wanted Lowell to go. You're never going to stand in those types of opportunities for players, stand in the way of them. But the timing was just the worst imaginable. Um, because uh, I think that the Canadian Championship was a bit of a distraction. I think the guys could kind of motivate themselves through a bad injury run because they knew that they were still in contention. Uh, you know, they were ninety minutes away from a Can Champ final. Posting. possibly, yeah, yeah, I- exactly. Um, so there was there was something on the table for them, and <sighs> I mean, it was a minor miracle, really, in Vancouver uh, that we gave the Whitecaps such a game because. You look at the training panel, the squad in advance of that game. We had a couple of kids on that that bench that had never played a single second of professional football in their lives. They were on development permits. You know, you're walking into BC Place thinking, you know, how did I get here? And you're never going to put a young player in a position where you know, they, they may not recover from a, a poor performance, right? You need to make sure that they are ready to go. So it's very difficult. So that was Abzi's last game for us. And we we knew that then there's this sizable hole at left back. I think Eduardo Jesus had come in and done a decent job. But, you know, you're you're also expecting a young player in his case to keep up that momentum and the consistency. Um, so that was definitely a. A bit of a fork in the road. I mean, obviously, Abzi is such an attacking outlet, yeah. but also he was just always in our starting eleven, give or take. But he was he was very very consistent in terms of keeping up his fitness. So you know he's your go to left back, and you, you kind of interrupt the flow of him being there. Um, and certainly I think him being an outball for players. So when you're in trouble, you look for Abzi. You know his control, his composure on the ball can get you out of danger. Um, that was tough. Left back is a notoriously difficult position to recruit for. Mm. It's so niche, and there's not much in the market. Um, which obviously made Abzi such a kind of a, a smart acquisition. Um, so that was it for 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 a lot of it. It was it was the timing, and obviously with Lowell you really missed him just as an attacking option for us. Um, in saying that, I think Lowell was a slightly different situation because he came in late into preseason, trying to get his match fitness up. And then he was gone to U20 camp early in the in the season, came back from that. I think, uh, again, we lost him maybe for a game or two. He was trying to build up his fitness again. So it was very um, hit and miss with Lowell. He didn't score i don't think that was a coincidence because of the background to his season um you know when you come in late and you're trying to play catch up and then you're away and it's it's a bit of a a difficult season for you to 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 properly get um you know a decent consistent run of games um but i think just not having him there as an available body with the experience that he had um even as a young player i think that that was difficult um and like that you just have to try and and pivot and be as flexible as possible and some days you could figure out a way to get through a game and for other games it was it was bad um i think there was probably three games that stand out that were very very rough um but i think with all things being considered the guys did an incredible job to to stay in so many fixtures for as long as they did given everything that was going on behind the scenes
0: yeah, and uh, we'll wrap things up here. We have we have news that Ricci has resigned. Uh, Ali Minatel has retired. But um, anything, any other news for twenty twenty three, and what can you tell us about that the upcoming campaign?
1: Um, interesting, I guess, commercial announcement that will happen this week involving the club. I think it's an exciting one i think it's um it's it it, i think it's probably a reflection as to where the league is at and where canadian soccer is at and and where the cpl finds itself in terms of that sort of wider conversation right now um so that's definitely one thing you mentioned um austin i texted him actually because i was a bit floored that when angus mcnab kind of announced at our fan event last thursday that reach had signed a new deal fans just burst out in spontaneous applause and the following day i texted him to say hey i thought this was pretty cool in the moment because i think they just really love you here and he was so excited that that was the reaction in the room to the announcement of his of his fresh contract um it was great i mean he's he's obviously had a such a traumatic time i mean dealing with one ACL injury is bad Then you come back from that, you do all your hard work and trying to be as patient as possible, but you're chomping at the bit to get out on the field and uh, get back into the thick of it and then you break down with with another ACL injury. I I, I don't know what he has for breakfast every morning, but it's obviously something that's packed full of motivation because... uh, He's a hard, tough guy to come through that again, um, and just didn't think anything of it. Just got his surgery done, went back to work, did his rehab, and you talk to him and you said, "How are you feeling?" And you're expecting him to say, "Yeah, bit of a difficult week this week." No, I'm doing good, feeling strong, feeling good. How was it? Yeah, talk about a strong character, Austin Ricci certainly is. Um, yeah, Oliver Minutel. Unfortunately, you you talk of injuries and and what they can do to players and uh, what a a disruptive season he had. And it was uh, heart-wrenching, to be honest, because I think that everybody saw what the plan was with Oliver Minatel and our team, because he started the season as being that clever technical player that Martin could trust a lot, being that experienced guy on a field and great at a press really understood what martin wanted to do um you know you know getting the the sort of uh attacking players on board with with that sort of pressing model and then still so good at finding the back of the net scored one of our finest goals of the season i think diving header isaiah johnston digging out the cross and and him how sweet scoring against his former club and um and then such a incredible thing you know you break down with an injury against atletico and it just does not clear up it just takes forever to clear up and you know what it's the risks you know when you get a bad injury like like ollie did uh late on in your career you become more susceptible to other parts of your body um flaring up and fitness issues maybe becoming a little bit more commonplace but you know we felt that we could get him back in time for the run-in which we did. He came off the bench against Cavalry, a game that we really shouldn't have lost, but we did 1-0. Yeah. And goes down a penalty area scramble and his hand gets stamped on innocuously and it ends up fracturing his hand. And that's him out for however many weeks. Had to go get surgery, had to recover from that, had to get the AOK from his specialists uh, before he could return. And then we felt that he had... The best going away present of all time, which was a goal in his final ever appearance. And then against no. Ottawa it gets shot back no. for offside. Yeah, just spoiling the the romantic story in Ottawa a little bit for him. But um great guy to have around our club. And you know, he was only here for a short time, but uh, really, really intelligent, eloquent guy. Has had such a great career, really interesting career, has played in some great teams, um, across some some really High-profile leagues, and uh, it's uh, it, it's always unfortunate when when injury um, forces a player into into thinking about longer-term consequences. Um, but you know he's got to take care of himself, and he's got to think about the next chapter as well. So uh, we wish him nothing but the best, and uh, we hope to see him again soon.
0: Yeah, Owen, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show today, and uh, hopefully we can uh, get you back, unless unless Nico decides to take a U-turn and have you on his podcast.
1: Um Nico has so many podcasts I can't even keep I can't even keep up to date with how many podcasts Nico now has and I don't even know if it, if it's Nico is it an alter ego I, I don't know I don't even know who the real Nico Giant is anymore um also I'd like to thank you for all of your coverage not just of our team in 2022 but also of the Canadian Premier League because um it's important that um that your generation are as, in, as informed as possible and uh, you provide a, an incredible service so well done and we hope to see you back in 2023 with even more coverage of everything pertaining to the nine stripes and to the cpl as well yeah,
0: it's it's, uh, it's my pleasure and i'll definitely be definitely. paying close attention next year i think and it's going to be one of the best years the best you've year. ever had ever
1: hopefully i think that um you know, it's interesting trying to gauge um, feelings and you're trying to look at, at supporters and how they feel and you're trying to look at the atmosphere in a club and what's been built. But I think that you bring it always back to the start of the season because you, you when we talk to Martin and, you know, I guess I'm, I'm biased because I get to talk to him a lot. So you, you get a little window into who he is and, and what he wants to achieve. Everything he wanted to achieve was correct. (laughs) That's, that's, that's what I've learned about 2022. Everything that, that he wanted to do with the team in terms of the way that he wanted them to play, the type of attitude and energy that he wanted them to bring, that's how it played out. It just all came together too late in the season because there were too many roadblocks. So yeah, I think it's a reflection on him as a head coach. And I think that circumstances certainly won't be as difficult heading into 2023. I mean, if you think about it, this was Martin's first season as head coach. So you need to assemble your technical staff from scratch, guys that you've never worked with before in close quarters. And he did that, guys that, that you know, in, say, Barry's case, Barry Smith, or assistant manager, hadn't even been in, you know, around the CPL. He hadn't even been around the game in North America and so he was a fresh pair of eyes on everything so you know all of the group is coming back next year and all of them are together from the get-go you're not waiting to make additions and also a full run-in in in terms of building the roster out because if you remember last year martin was hired late in december and we already had a little bit of business done by that stage in terms of players so you know by the time martin properly came into market in january there's still maybe a couple of additions that are happening to the roster but now with one season under his belt martin knows um what he has at his disposal properly but also what he desperately needs to add to the mix in terms of the squad he's a guy who wants to be very active in that alongside angus in building the squad and putting every everything together so i think it's all very positive and i think one thing the way that we finish this season, I think a lot of other teams are looking at us immediately for next season thinking they're going to be a real challenge. And that's exactly what you want. You want to put pressure on your opponents every single week. And uh, for me, it was was a very encouraging season. Um, And, yeah, I think next year promises to be something special. We'll leave
0: it on that positive note. And, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you, Thomas. Appreciate it.